You are in the ring with Hector Colon, seven-time national boxing champion turned nonprofit president and CEO. Hector knocks out the big issues facing social services today with high-impact leaders from around the U.S. In the Ring is a creation of Lutheran Social Services of Wisconsin and Upper Michigan and is produced by No Studios. And now, here's Hector Colon. Hello, 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 and welcome to In the Ring with Hector Colon, the show that gets real about the challenges facing the social services sector and the people we serve. Here's the bottom line. Pay is not commensurate to the value our colleagues provide society. The policies and resources are not there in order to meet the true needs of the individuals that we serve. And the financial viability of our sector is in jeopardy. It's not a fair fight. That's why this year we're going to take on these issues with people at the center of these challenges, true champions who are willing to get into the ring with me. As my coach Shorty used to say, let's go, champ. In the ring with me today is Charlotte Haberacker. Charlotte is the president and CEO of Lutheran Services in America, one of the largest, most respected health and human service networks in the United States. Lutheran Services in America empowers one in 50 people in America to lead their best lives so that all communities can thrive. One in 50 people, that's a lot of people impacted through this network. Under Charlotte's leadership, Lutheran Services in America has consistently been recognized by the Chronicle of Philanthropy and Forbes as one of the nation's top nonprofit organizations. She is also at the forefront of developing and implementing groundbreaking initiatives and collaborating learning models to drive systemic change. Prior to joining Lutheran uh, Services in America, Charlotte was the number two executive at Global Impact, a $110 million nonprofit that provides funding for critical humanitarian needs all around the world. Previously, she held senior leadership positions in management consulting at Price Waterhouse, where she strengthened nonprofit, for-profit, and government organizations. Charlotte also served as a senior leader at Fannie Mae, where she led an industry transformation initiative and was the co-inventor of five patents awarded by the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office. Charlotte, I'd like to learn more about those patents someday. Charlotte was the recipient of the 2018 rebrand 100 Global Award of one of the top 100 brand transformations in the world, 2017 Humanitarian Award, and the 2015 Nonprofit Times Magazine Power of Influence Top 50 Award. Charlotte holds a bachelor's degree in business administration and management science from the University of Illinois. You know, Charlotte is a great partner. She does a really great job of engaging all of the partners, including Lutheran Social Services of Wisconsin and Upper Michigan. She does holds a great CEO summit. I, I call you my friend. I'm so thankful that you could be on the show with me today. Thank you. Thank you, Charlotte. So are you ready for round one? Ready for round one, Hector. Great. So Charlotte, tell me a little bit about Lutheran Social Services in America. Who are your members and what does Lutheran Services in America serve and who do they partner with? And what is your framework? Thank you, Hector. 
So Lutheran Services in America is a national network of 300 Lutheran Health and Human Services organizations that reach 150 people living in America, from children, youth, and families, to older adults, people with disabilities, refugees, veterans, and more. We're in over 1,400 communities in 45 states, with combined revenue of 23 billion, and rank number 21 in the Forbes 100 and the Chronicle of Philanthropy list of America's favorite charities. And as you know, Hector, what makes us unique is our shared heritage, mission, and values, and the fact that we don't compete with each other, which opens up a high trust environment where at the national level, we bring the collective power of our national network and strategic partners together in new ways to advance innovation and achieve a healthier, more equitable future for all people in the United States. We tackle underlying problems and build models of success that can be replicated across the country. And importantly, we amplify the voice of our faith-based network in Washington, DC, since we think the voice of a $23 billion faith-based network is an important voice in Washington, DC. Thank you so much. Uh, and on behalf of LSS of Wisconsin and Upper Michigan, we are so happy to be a part of your organization. It's a great organization uh, with great partners, and we all learn from each other. Uh, so like you said, there's a lot of trust amongst us and sharing of information that makes us all better. Uh, so thank you for your leadership in, in um, leading the wonderful organization. You know, in our first two, my first two podcasts I had with Susan Dreyfus and, and Kathy Marklin, uh, we discussed uh, different challenges as well as opportunities that we face uh, in our sector. So first, I want to start off with some of the challenges. We talked about staff pay, uh, funding, uh, inequities, intergenerational poverty, antiquated policies, lack of prevention dollars, lack of affordable housing, trauma and stress. Uh, also a lack of infrastructure investments. On the positive side, we talked about analytics and using data to inform and guide decision-making, the involvement of social determinants of health, more funding for prevention, mergers and acquisitions, uh, the use of peer supports, 24-7 operations, and, and the involvement of neurosciences uh, in our sector. How do you see these challenges playing out uh, today with your members and in our sector? Anything you want to you want to drill on any one of these specific items or other op other challenges and opportunities you'd like to share with us? Sure, thank you, Hector. I'll highlight three challenges, and you touched a little bit on each of them, but just a little bit more information. You know, the first challenge is workforce. You know, which I would say is the number one challenge facing our network. You know, the pandemic accelerated many trends that were emerging before the pandemic, and workforce shortages are a prime example of that. And you participated in our recent CEO summit where we had a senior labor economist present one of the most comprehensive and sobering pictures of the U.S. labor market and the long-term structural challenges that we face with a record number of, of retirements, a smaller, younger working population, and fewer entry-level workers. And it's, as you noted, it's even more challenging in our sector since government funding, which funds many of the services, doesn't cover the full cost of services, which limits how much workers can be paid. So in terms of impact on our members, you know, we've seen organizations reducing services 
or unable to meet increased demands for services. And I think this is really the tip of the iceberg of what we'll see going forward. And it will significantly affect people's access to services and our ability to meet the whole needs of people. So the second challenge I mentioned um, is really exemplified by the child welfare system, where a disproportionate number of youth of color are removed from their homes and placed into foster care, where they have poor outcomes and fewer opportunities to thrive. So less than 60% of foster youth graduate from high school. And for those who age out of the foster care system, only 3% graduate from college. And by age 26, over half are arrested. That is not acceptable. We're leading an exciting family stabilization initiative in four states where we're implementing an evidence-based family wraparound program to support families so children don't have to be removed from the home. And that combines our results innovation lab focus on using a race equity lens to empower social leaders to change practice and lead change in their communities. And we're working with foundations like the Annie E. Casey Foundation, Wilder Foundation, along with academia like Harvard, since it's important to bring multiple stakeholders to the table to improve outcomes for children. And then the third challenge I'll highlight is, and the child welfare example reflects this broader challenge, is that much of the emphasis of the government has traditionally been on providing services after problems have occurred, rather than moving upstream to prevent them. So for example, there's a huge growth in older adults with the aging of the baby boomer population. And yet there's not a consistent source of funding to enable them to live independently with dignity, respect, health, and independence in their home and communities. For example, two thirds of older adults who need long-term services and supports are not enrolled on Medicaid, and yet almost half have incomes below 200% of the federal poverty level. So at Lutheran Services in America, we've been working with our members, along with partners in philanthropy, healthcare, and academia, to develop innovative models that evaluate older adults' need for services and connect them to services, and implementing those in different settings, for example, in affordable housing and in rural communities where they significantly lack resources. So I'd say, you know, all of these challenges, you know, really present challenges for our membership. You know, we too see an increase in partnerships and mergers and acquisition activity, particularly in some sectors like senior living with the increased pre uh, pressures on cost, workforce, retiring executives. We see organizations pivoting, repositioning themselves, and we see innovative use of technology, both to increase workforce efficiency, productivity, but also to connect key stakeholders and service providers together. Thank you, Charlotte. Um, you know, those are big challenges, uh, especially, and you started off with workforce. You know, I know that's a challenge for us at Lutheran Social Services, Wisconsin, Upper Michigan as well. And, um, and we're doing lots of things to try to creative things, you know, making sure that we can be flexible so that individuals can work from home. Uh, we've made significant strides in trying to pay our staff better, uh, but there continues to be uh, significant challenges uh, specifically for our sector, but we're not unique, right? Healthcare, other industries are experiencing the same thing right now. There's not enough bodies to be able to accommodate all the workforce needs that all industries have. And so thank you for, um, you know, sharing that and also for sharing that at your last CEO summit, there was some really great insights that you shared there. Uh, your your comments on foster care, how do we keep these kids home um, as much as can with the wraparound services necessary 
so that they can thrive and and uh, be successful. And thank you for your added insights and opportunities about increased partnerships and mergers and acquisitions. That's something that we might want to talk a little bit more about as we go uh, through the interview. So we're going to bring this round to a close. In round two, uh, we're going to get into the question of, will our sector be ready when that next major new disruption comes our way, considering all these challenges that we already talked about? Are you ready for round two, Charlotte? I'm ready for round two, Hector. I want to start off by sharing some of the challenges that our sector faces. No cash in reserves, leveraged debt, no investments uh, for infrastructure or innovation. You know, LSS shared in some of these challenges about five years ago before my team and I decided to come together to address some of these challenges. So I want to give a shout out uh, to my board, uh, my executive team, uh, the colleagues, our partners, our donors, who really came together to make uh, some significant changes to address our challenges. We flattened the organization by a million dollars. We have started a productivity initiative that added millions of dollars to the bottom line. We increased our rates to try to get uh, better funding so that we can pay our staff commensurate to the value that they provide. But this wasn't enough. We had to divest of $13 million worth of programs in order to move the organization. And we did all of this in the midst of COVID. And this is really, really hard. But I have to say that our team led with a servant-led heart. And because of these changes, today the organization is the strongest it's been in 15 years. We're serving more people and our staff are paid better. So Charlotte, how do we ensure that our sector is ready uh, in the midst of all these challenges, but also that next major disruption that could be coming our way? We disrupt the environment ourselves and don't wait to be disrupted. You know, as you know, I often talk about disruption as in the DNA of Lutheran social ministry organizations. And that's because early Lutheran reformers were the disruptors of their day not wanting to see people begging in the streets as they had for generations. So they pooled resources across the community to provide a doctor in the community so that people were healthier. Low interest loans for the unemployed to receive training so they could become employed and reach their full potential. So we need to be the disruptors today. You know, the work we do in our Results Innovation Lab with your team and other members is a good example of how we're tackling the underlying policies and practices that result in youth of color being removed more often from their home and placed into foster care where they have poor outcomes. Advocacy and public policy are critically important to drive systemic change. You know, as faith-based providers, we put people and people's health and well-being at the center of all of our work and make sure that the voice of a $23 billion faith-based network is at the table. For example, I recently served on a 14-member task force for the Bipartisan Policy Center with former governors, legislators, and the head of the American Medical Association and more on a blueprint to modernize the U.S. public health system and advanced health equity. Those are the tables where we need to have the voice of our faith-based network. Thank you, Charlotte. I really like 
how you describe that, you know, we need to disrupt ourselves. We can't wait for the the next major disruption. And and I like that you mentioned the the innovation lab, which Lutheran Social Services of Wisconsin and Upper Michigan has been a part of, specifically relating to our school center mental health mod- model and all the great outcomes we've had there, taking that broader social determinants of health approach and helping that child in that school, but wrapping around parent and um, and grandma and cousin and brother, who's ever in that household, because the better they are, the better that child is going to be. So I, I, I've seen that innovation in action through your organization, and I've also get really inspired by all your members that are doing really creative things. So I, I want to agree with you that I see that you are leading disruption in a proactive way that, that's very helpful and very ex- in, inspiring. So thank you uh, for sharing that. You know, I want to uh, go into the next question. We talked a lot about the challenges, and, and I think you hit on this a little bit, but what is it that brings you most hope as we move forward? Uh, you know, we have a challenge workforce, the economy, we may see a big downturn again. But what brings you hope, Charlotte? The incredible strength and resiliency of the Lutheran Services and American Network that we've seen time and time again overcome extraordinary logistical, emotional, financial, and health challenges the past two years, to be a steady presence in community, to stand in the gap, to be frontline heroes, whether you're caring for children, youth, and families, or older adults, or people with disabilities. It's organizations like yours, Hector, Lutheran Social Services of Wisconsin and Upper Michigan, and the other 299 organizations, which truly give me hope. You know, the pandemic is clearly an inflection point. You know, it's a moment for change and a time for disruption. And that can be really scary for all of us, but it's also an opportunity for hope. And we're the ones to lead the change. Thank you. Thank you, Charlotte. You shared a little bit about this, but is there an example of an organization has that has come together to provide whole-centered care? looking at the whole family, uh, involving the community. Any examples you could share around that? I could share many. <laughs> so, um, so, so, so I'll give one example. And we're currently working with Lutheran Community Services Northwest, which is in the Seattle Pacific Northwest area. Uh, they're part of the initiative I mentioned earlier, the Family Stabilization Initiative, where we're uh, a funder who's providing funding for these organizations to expand family wraparound services and combine it with the race equity lens of our results inform- uh, results network. Um, but you know, previously Lutheran Community Services. Northwest has been experimenting with these evidence-based family wraparound programs throughout their organization. And it really takes a look at, you know, families in crisis and what are the needs of those families in crisis that, you know, can enable them to have a stronger uh, relationship with the children, enable them to, uh, so the children don't have to be removed from the home. You know, that combined with kind of what we're looking at in Results Innovation Lab, which is really changing practice, changing practice of social workers to look differently, disaggregate the data on the clients that you're serving by race, understand the different outcomes, understand the challenges, and how do you empower leaders within the community to really share your kind of goals and objectives? 
Thank you. Thank you, Charlotte. So this concludes round two. Just one more round to go. In the next round, we're going to talk about how our sector can better communicate our needs to our funders and philanthropists to support our full costs, including, including overhead, staff pay, as well as prevention. Okay, round three. Charlotte, are you ready? Yes. Great. You know, I want to go a little bit deeper into the challenges we face uh, with funders. You know, sometimes they don't want to cover our overhead costs. You know, sometimes funders might go as little as 10%, which is a challenge for most organizations. It's hard to operate with excellence with that kind of low overhead. Sometimes they don't want to fund the full cost of services, including staff uh, pay. And prevention is something that's not funded in a robust manner. So having considered those challenges, what is the role and importance of philanthropy uh, in coming together to address some of these challenges for community-based organizations? You know, as you've noticed, noted, Hector, uh, the government in particular doesn't necessarily fund the full cost of services or prevention services. I think they also don't fund what our members strive to do, which is really meet the whole needs of people, physical, mental, emotional needs that would enable them to pursue meaningful opportunities in their lives to reach their potential and thrive. There's also limited funding for innovation, testing and evaluating services, creating more equitable ways to provide services. That's critical at a time like this, where we need to create new ways to enable people to lead their best lives. So individual giving and philanthropy is critically important. Um, and as you know, the challenge with much of government and foundation funding is that it funds specific services or a specific project, and maybe not even 100% of the cost to your point, but it doesn't necessarily fund the infrastructure that you need to offer services. It doesn't necessarily fund the training for the team, leadership development, developing new models of service or new ways of doing business or working with new partners in a different way. That flexible funding is critical. Now more than ever, as we face the need to really rethink our work, disrupt ourselves and face the uncertainty in the future. And it goes well beyond money because if we're going to tackle these big issues in society, if we're going to create pathways for all children and youth to grow up to be healthy, productive adults, if older adults and people with disabilities are going to lead lives of meaning, purpose, and independence and health, we need many stakeholders to join us in this work because it really will take all of us to come together to make a difference. So it's really about time, talent, and treasure to join us in this work. Thank you. The three T's, time, talent, and treasure. And, and that's really important. We always say that that's what our board of directors provide us with. And we're so thankful uh, to our boards. And I know individuals in your network um, have great uh, boards of directors and really support them to advance uh, their efforts. You represent Lutheran organizations. Are your members broadening their fundraising efforts to include support from non-Lutherans? 
Absolutely. I mean, as, as you know, Lutherans have been open to to working with people from all all religions, um, all, all people uh, from the very beginning. And so, you know, traditionally, yes, I mean, Lutheran congregations have supported these organizations. Many still do. Um, but I would say most of our members are clearly seeking funding from a wide range of different sources. I mean, we're number 21 in the Chronicle Philanthropies list of uh, America's favorite charities, which reflects private support, right? Although that private support is, you know, relatively small compared to the 23 billion in services that's offered throughout the throughout the network. Yeah, thank you again. That's that's very impressive that you continue to be on Forbes and and um, you know these philanthropy publications regarding um, all of the dollars that your partners are able to raise to help them meet their mission. Again, uh, very impressive. Yeah, for, for Lutheran Social Services of Wisconsin and Upper Michigan, we used to get about over a million dollars uh, from the churches, um, you know, about a decade ago. That has been reduced in half. Um, so we have gotten less. You know, the church has, has, um, has contracted, and the needs within those individual churches has also expanded. So we've kind of seen the the effects of that. Now, for us, like you said, you know, we we are, we expand our efforts uh, beyond Lutherans, uh, individuals that uh, really believe in our cause and want to support our ministry and the difference we make in the lives of others, which is uh, really what allows us to to move forward. So thank you. Uh, Charlotte for that. Um, so I want to end with a question. I've been doing this with all of my guests. How are you knocking out 2022, both personally as well as professionally? So on a personal level, I'm very excited because my son is engaged to be married. Um, I began work at Lutheran Services in America in the same month that he went away to college and now we're getting ready to celebrate another major milestone. So that's that's just very personally rewarding and exciting on a personal level. Um, on a professional level, I'm excited because we are at an inflection point that opens up opportunities for greater change. And we have this phenomenal network of nonprofit organizations like Lutheran Social Services in Wisconsin and Upper Michigan, that when we come together with strategic partners and stakeholders, we clearly make a difference. And if not us, then who? I agree. Thank you so much, Charlotte. That was wonderful. You really are a fighter for our sector, a fighter for the 50 organizations you serve. So we are so thankful to have you uh, as our leader. So that concludes our final round for today. Charlotte, you knocked it out. Thank you, Hector. It's great to be with you. Thank you so much. Thank you very much, Charlotte, for being on the show here today. Uh, I want to just summarize some of the key points that you shared with us. You know, workforce challenges. The labor market is really tough right now. There's truly not enough people to be able to serve in all the jobs that are available. And our sector even has a more difficult job at, uh, at, at making sure we can hire people to improve the health and well-being of those that we serve. You know, youth of color um, penetrating the foster care system versus staying at home, which we know that when they stay at home, the outcomes are always uh, better. 
you know, this idea of funding for services or intervention uh, versus prevention and upstream type of funding is certainly a challenge that that we face. You know, I really like the insights that Charlotte shared about how her members, uh, LSS of Wisconsin Upper Michigan is a part of that, how we are trying to disrupt ourselves and not wait uh, for that next major disruption that is coming our way. So how do we be proactive as organizations, as leaders, and as individuals to make sure that we are innovating and disrupting so that we can make sure we can move forward? You know, the, the Innovation Lab that uh, Lutheran Services in America has, LSS has been a part of that. Uh, it's a wonderful program. They're really doing a lot of advocacy and public poli- uh, um, advocacy around public policy to help our sector. And we talked a little bit about government funding that they don't cover our full cost, which is why we have to move forward into philanthropy, those individual donors, those foundations, those corporations that are really going to give us flexible dollars that is going to allow us to, to address the whole needs of individuals that are going to allow us to innovate uh, in new ways. We need that flexible funding and that can come from philanthropy. So with that said, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. You know, next month, we're going to get in the ring with Tracy Waring Evans, the president and CEO of the American Public Human Services Association, who will talk about how the public sector is collaborating with community-based organizations to make a difference. You can find out more about In the Ring with Hector Colón podcast and all of our episodes on our website, lsswis.org slash in the ring. Let us know what you think about the show and what you'd like to learn in future episodes. Please like, follow, and share at LSSWIS on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. And please subscribe to our YouTube channel so that you can learn and stay engaged in these important conversations. All right. Thank you, Charlotte. And to all of our listeners, until next time, con mucho cariño, with much affection. Bye.